Hello, this is Dr. Patrick Hanaway, and today we'll be mapping navigating chemo on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be talking with my colleague, Dr. Patrick Hannaway, about navigating chemo, a topic he knows both professionally and personally. Patrick Hanaway, MD, is a board-certified family physician trained at Washington University. Dr. Hanaway served on the Executive Committee for the American Board of Integrative Medicine and is past president of the American Board of Integrative Holistic Medicine. For the past 20 years, he has worked with his wife in clinical practice at Family to Family, your home for whole health care in Asheville, North Carolina. After 10 years as Chief Medical Officer at Genova Diagnostics, Dr. Hanaway became the Chief Medical Education Officer at the Institute for Functional Medicine, where he oversaw the development and implementation of IFM's programs worldwide. He has taught with the IFM since 2005. He leads the GI Advanced Practice Module and continues his support of IFM as co-chair of the Expert Advisory Board. In 2014, Dr. Hanaway helped develop the collaboration between IFM and the Cleveland Clinic, where he was the founding medical director, then research director, and now serves as a research collaborator at the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. His research interests focus on evaluating outcomes of functional medicine models of care. I've been honored to have the opportunity to collaborate with Dr. Hanaway and his wisdom and heart continue to inspire me in the work that I do. I know you're going to feel the same. Dr. Hanaway, thank you for joining me here on the 15-Minute Matrix. Thanks so much, Andrea. Navigating chemo is something you've done both professionally and personally, and I know we tend to take our experiments and practices a bit further when the professional becomes personal, and I'm wondering if you can share with us some of your biggest overall discoveries from your journey. Wow, jumping right into right the deep in. end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 14 months ago, I was uh, diagnosed with a stage four laryngeal cancer mm. with, with METS. So I knew that I needed to get some help as I decided that I was going to work with chemo and radiation in that form of cancer. Chemo is an adjunct or an adjuvant to the radiation therapy, which is really where the bigger work comes in. You know, the day I was diagnosed, I'm like, okay, I'm going back to like full keto. And I was familiar with some of the work of Thomas Seafried and uh, Dr. Cino. They done with cancer. I didn't realize that uh, that ENT cancer was one of the more favorable conditions, yeah. uh, which was responsive to the insulin sensitization, and that would do well with a, a ketogenic diet. So I jumped in there. I'd done it previously, taken many patients through it, but uh, went in there and began to really understand, well, what do I need to do to get to a therapeutic, not just a, a nutritional 
nutritional ketosis, but right. a therapeutic ketosis with BHBs in the in the three to five range, um, and began to work with um, with uh, Prolon. Uh, as a way of helping to deepen that process before I started everything. And then also uh, recognize the role of fasting before chemo as part of a help in decreasing the side effects of the chemotherapy, of which, thank goodness, I had none uh, through the the seven weeks of, of weekly chemotherapy. So it was a combination of intermittent fasting, ketosis, at a fairly significant level. So my, my BHBs basically ran between 1.5 and 5 wow. through the seven weeks um, that I did that. I, I continued on after that time, but not quite as aggressively. And then fasting before chemo. Now, the big thing here is that you're, you're going to lose weight. And, uh, and so I got a feeding tube because it was estimated that I wouldn't be able to eat and you didn't want to put the feeding tube in while I was in the middle of this treatment. Right. So I did that uh, a couple days before I started, ended up getting probably about a quarter of my calories in uh, through tube feeds as, uh, as I went through the kind of weeks three through seven of the treatment, I, I was able to eat. Um, now getting keto into a tube feed, that's another I was going to ask you that about I, that, how you kept your BHBs <laughs> at the 1.5 to 5 range with that tube feeding. Uh, you know, we, we looked it up and we couldn't find anything that was any off the shelf kind of tube feeds, you know, even the ones that, that are, are there are not anywhere close to a uh, 80% fat. So it was a lot of uh, like uh, Vitamix sardines, um, you know, with olive oil and avocado oil and coconut oil and those kinds of things to help uh, the process along. That, that was how we did it. My wife was right there, like yeah. helping to make it along the way and she was she was the uh, the master chef on the uh, on the tube feed keto and that's such an important part of navigating chemo as well we know in seeing clients and patients that that support and that love goes such a long way and i wanted to ask you more about the nutritional piece but as we're in this sidebar of relationships and the kind of spiritual part of things you have a very deep history that you bring to your practice of uh, sp the spirit in, in healthcare. How did that come up for you here? So I've, um, for the past uh, 18 years, I've been going on pilgrimage and have been initiated as a traditional healer by the Guayarica uh, people, the Huito people in the Sierra Madres in Mexico. And it so happened that I was going to be going down to a sacred site and making offerings a week and a half after I got the diagnosis. So I talked with my docs and they said, you know, we're not going to get started before then anyway. So why don't you go ahead and do that? I did and uh, was able to work with a teacher there, did some you know, energy healing, some shamanic healing with me. I went to this the sacred sites. I... I, I learned some things about myself and about what I needed to do. And it was around uh, finding my voice and being really honest with myself and with my friends about where I was at and asking for help. That was the biggest thing is I, I recognized how much I needed help. And that was help that 
not only came from my family, um, but friends and many other people. And I could feel um, really the prayers and good intentions coming into me throughout the whole time. In fact, ever since that time, you know, I feel like really held in a different way or I'm relating to the fact that there is help there all the time and I'm able to feel it um, and receive it better. Before I used to try to just do it on my own. You know, I'm tough, I can do it. And it was really that opening that is part of where, strangely enough, I can say that this cancer, I talk about cancers, transformations, transformation, transformation and cancer has been a blessing for me. Yeah. Uh, and it's not something I would, I would recommend for anybody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not the transformation we're recommending or prescribing. I, I have chills and you know tears in my eyes. I know that going through this with my husband many years ago with his glioblastoma, that there was the initial diagnosis. There was that quick push through. And then when the cancer continued to grow, a real reckoning. And his brother and I always joke now, when did he become such a Buddha? Like, when did he become so wise? Because there was a real... Uh, awakening, like you're talking about a transformation. He would carry the Bhagavad Gita to every meeting, healthcare meeting he was going to, and just really went into this deep place. And I think that that opportunity, I'm putting it in air quotes, also puts us in a different place with our clients and patients as we're helping them navigate these uncertain territories. Absolutely. It, I would say that my, you know, I stopped uh, practice. I, I really just took care of myself for six months and um, started back up again after I received, you know, kind of the first uh, pass of no evidence of disease at three months after completing treatment and which actually has yeah, the most recent PET scan a couple weeks ago, again, showed no evidence of disease. So um, these are good signs. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm a survivor. I don't like the word survivor. And it doesn't mean that I beat cancer. Cancer is uh, uh, going to be part of me and my life. Um, it, but not in a way that is a yoke, but more as a focus and an intention um, for me. As uh, my teacher had said to me at that time, he's like, you've been praying for this, you know, mm. and uh, even as I say it now, it just it rings as uh, a very odd statement, but it feels very true. Congratulations on the results, by the way. I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad you shared that with us. Do you see some of the situations in your life as the triggers that were leading you to essentially ask for this on some deeper spiritual level? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the aspect of, of really trying to do it myself, of overworking, of not taking care of myself, um, nutritional sleep, exercise. The curious thing is that uh, I had actually, uh, from my, my travel, traveling too much, you know, I, I, I have traveled about 150 to 200,000 miles a year for the past 15 years commuting to Cleveland weekly, you know, to work at the Cleveland clinic as part of that. And it's just like I was overextended. Yeah. And and it was taking a toll on my body and I knew it but I wasn't ready to face it. And I had started um in the the previous year 
or in, in 18 to really take control of that and had, you know, done keto, lost weight, was exercising, was doing a lot of things that were really moving in the right direction, which I think actually helped prepare me to be able to jump into it. I was in pretty good physical state um, when I moved into it, but I had uh, years of just abusing um, my body in terms of you know trying to help care for other people and do good things in the world. And I have been able to, but ultimately in order to care for others, we have to care for ourselves. It's such a good reminder for us all. I think as caretakers, we often forget to prioritize ourselves and do and pay heed to what I call the non-negotiables, which you're speaking to so brilliantly. Do you attribute the lack of uh, symptoms throughout the treatment to one thing in particular? Was it the diet? Do you feel like it was everything you were doing and doesn't matter? I know it was everything and clinically it doesn't matter, but from my own personal you know, experience, it doesn't matter. But, you know, for me carrying it forward, I actually think that the, uh, the fasting before chemo was really key in decreasing the symptoms. I didn't, um, most chemo they give with, uh, I said, no steroids. And they're like, you have to do it. You know, everybody does. I'm like, no, because of its counter-regulatory effect. And it was going to blow my ketosis, you know, and that's when I wanted the, that's when I wanted the, the, the highest ketosis. In fact, I took some exogenous ketones, you know, a couple of, couple of times during chemo uh, to kind of accelerate that. Although I don't think that was a big deal, kind of obnoxious, um, but uh, um <laughs> But not taking the steroids and doing the the fasting before chemo, I think, was a really important part of of my process and something that I have in the the cancer patients that I've taken care of since this time have uh, strongly recommended that. I have a kind of odd question for you as somebody who is um, so well practiced and has helped so many people and led a lot of really important initiatives in medicine and functional medicine. And it's about an element of control. And I'm wondering how that piece led to some of your, what you were experiencing. And maybe I'm not saying that so clearly when we have some element of control in the realm of the unknown, you had a cancer diagnosis and you're taking it into your own hands and owning a piece of it. Did that give you some power in the face of the unknown? Hmm. That's an interesting way of framing that question. I might, I might actually frame it differently. And that is, I, I was actually looking for um, someone that I could have as as the the captain or the quarterback or whatever metaphor you, you want to use, so that that it could help me. That I yeah. didn't have to be the one to make all the decisions. Like I, I was very active in 
all the engagement and, you know, my ENT doc, the oncologist, the radiation oncologist, they were all open to what I had to offer. And um, I think that was, you know, I mean, I, I was very blessed. Yes. Um, my friend, um, John Weeks, uh, who had a oral pharyngeal cancer uh, 10 years before, you know, sitting down with him you know, three days after diagnosis and you know, just hearing exactly what happened for him and how he did that. That was something that was really helpful for me. So all the elements that I was able to put together were incredible. And I I want to help other people in yes. that way. We're uh, looking at, you know, our own education and experience platform um, of my wife and I who practice together and, and taking that to something we're calling your healing roots to be able mm. to help individuals, you know, across complex chronic disease to do that. But going to start, you know, with cancer because we've got some experience there and helping the people to have some control, not only during the time of when they're in treatment, um, but as soon as they're done with their first treatment, because you sort of kind of get left like where do I go now and yet right. that's when the work really is is so important is when you're done with your your first rounds of radiation chemo whatever it is because you need to keep it moving in the right direction and anyway so we're excited about that and I think that some aspect of control is there and yet there's also a piece Andrea that I want to highlight that is uncertainty actually made things more alive and more mm -hmm. real and yep. and I you know I can't I don't know how to say that any better but it's something that the uncertainty actually helped me to embrace what was happening in a much deeper way in in the, in, the, in the mystery of it um yeah, there that's were no beautiful. expectations in the process it was like I'm going to do my best and We'll see where this goes. And that was actually liberating. Yeah. There's also an awareness, a heightened awareness, as you said so beautifully, of the preciousness of what is and what is right in front of us. It's, a, it's almost a magical time, and it's hard to explain, um, is how I feel about what I've lived through. I don't know if you would look back and say the same. Yeah, absolutely. You know, speaking to the matrix and the different elements, you know, one of the things that's sort of inherent in it, but is not necessarily always seen is that connection to nature and the natural world. You know, I've used uh, the aura ring to monitor my sleep and, and movement, but also heart rate variability. And I found that I, I was hard to get outside. But when I start, when I started having, I just like forced myself to go and play in, in little creeks and just kind of sit in nature, not for exercise, but just to be there. And I saw my heart rate variability double mm. during the time when I started to do that. So that's another element of the of the mystery of it, to being able to slow down, be present to everything that's happening, because it's more than what we're just looking at. It's, you know, there's a lot more inputs there to be able to receive. Dr. Hanaway, such a rich conversation. I so appreciate you, the work you do in the world. I'm 
incredibly honored to have the opportunity to speak with you today and to do the work that we are getting to do together more recently. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for your work in the world and bringing, you know, your voice and these voices out so that they can help our people. It's absolutely necessary and I deeply appreciate you. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and production support from Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready and waiting for you, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll drop into your inbox with a really short reminder that a new episode is ready and waiting for you. You also have an open invitation to email us. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15-Minute Matrix. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 